Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. of the Athletic Football Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Football GM Podcast. I'm Mike Sando from The Athletic, along with the GM, Randy Mueller of MuellerFootball.com, of 35 or 40 years in the NFL, of currently XFL. What's the official title, Randy? Is it... Uh, Director of Player Personnel for the Seattle Sea Dragons, baby. That's right. And we got some uniforms, right? What's going on? Yeah. Under Armour did them right. Did everybody right. Shout out to Under Armour. They were outstanding. And I love the setup, the colors, the the uniforms are all good. So hopefully they look good on TV this spring. Well, maybe the, you know, we got time before Christmas here. Maybe I can get a few of those and outfit the family here, you know. A little swag. Um, That's right. Yeah. It'd be nice. Really, really good. Uh, and is everything going good with that? What are you doing? Is your roster close or what do you got? We are close. We're about 55 of 65 uh, mm-hmm. on board already. So we have a little supplemental draft coming up in January that will continue to build out. And no, it's fun. Anytime, like I said many times, if you can build something from scratch when oh, you yeah. do what I do my whole life, it's a lot of fun. And, and it's really fun because of the people that I'm involved with and keeps me watching film every day and kind of keeps me between you and this podcast and, <laughs> and the XFL. I probably watch more film now than I did when yeah. I was a GM. Well, no doubt, as we're going to talk about with the firing of John Robinson as GM, uh, along with a lot of other great topics today, there's so much that goes into the GM job. And we're going to get into this, but we might as well off the top, besides picking the players, right? When, I, when, yeah. when somebody on the radio or in a media job evaluates a GM, the first thing they do is look at the draft picks. Yeah, but I know. Let's just list the things <laughs> the GM actually does, Randy. Uh, right? I laugh when I see that and hear that. When the criteria comes down, when GMs are selected every year, it's always they go to the draft picks, and and actually the GMs that they're considering haven't really been a decision maker before in most cases, and really haven't picked any of those players. But that's you're right. That's the criteria, and that's about ten percent of the job. Trust me. Once you get in the chair, you become the uh, Doctor Phil. You become the fixer. You yep. become uh, the the adapter, the communicator, kind of the glue between the coaches and the owners, everybody. So yeah, it's it's a lot of things. And you're right, it came out this week that the Titans did make a change, peculiar timing, and I'm sure we'll get into it. But there is a lot that goes into uh, these roles that we all have, and they all differ from team to team. You know what I love? Well, there's many things I love about our, our producer, Marissa, but when you go into the feed on this, you've got the... Uh the thing that tells all the topics. Remember, we used to always have list yeah. all the topics. They can just look on there so we don't have to list the whole all the topics. Let's just get on go- here with John Robinson because the Tennessee Titans have been a winning operation. When he got there, um, yeah. they were not doing as well. And so he's been part of a lot of winning. And in football, as you know, Randy, it's hard to know sometimes always where to give the credit. You know, look, if you have Peyton Manning on your team, that's probably a lot of the credit. But yeah, uh, pretty but, good chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, in 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 football, we can all debate about whether it was the coach, the GM, um, whatever. But three of the last four GMs the Titans fired had winning records. So that was a little weird to me. The timing of this. 
Yeah. I, mean, I was trying to think. We've seen surprise firings of GMs. I think John Dorsey was a June one. You'll see June ones sometimes after the draft. Mm-hmm. But during the season? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, I I don't think it's John's fault that they've lost two in a row or that they got 12 first downs last week. And, you know, we're, we're, we're really bad on offense, that's for sure. So the timing did catch me off guard. I just know, having been part of that head coach-GM relationship for so many years, I just don't know what would go into uh, a splitting of, of the ways at this point in a season. It's almost like something crazy had to have happened. But I know both sides. I know both guys. I don't think anything crazy happened. Now, there's there's so much agenda. There's so much ego. And you mix that with big money that the GMs and head coaches make now. It's it's uh, toxic sometimes. And it can change people. And this one just to me smells like, you know, uh, all the makings of a palace coup. You know? Yeah. What yeah. the heck? You know, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I can't put my finger on it. Now, obviously, John had some struggles with first round picks that were risky for all of us, but we knew that. And that's nothing that's come to light in the last 10 days. I can tell you that. So we all have known the lay of the land. I don't know, Mike, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, I was trying to think of, so when you think of the possible triggers, right, obviously there must've been some issues, but when you think of the possible triggers, you think, okay, well, last week they did have to lose to the Eagles 35 to 10 and AJ Brown had a big game. So maybe there was a, we all saw the video when, during the draft, when they traded AJ Brown, uh, Mike Vrabel got up and kind of stormed away from the table where he was sitting next to John Robinson and kind of like, gosh, God, you know, I don't know if it was a, a, a genuine feeling or he was trying to show the locker room that, hey, I hate to see one of our best guys go. But that was a little bit of a pouty uh, walk away uh, in the moment. So then you have this tough game. The other thing that came to mind was, you know, recently they had the offensive coordinator with the DUI on the team plane. I mean, yeah. are, are these the types of things, Randy, that if, if you're... I was thinking, are there cultural issues? You know, you don't want to speculate too much, but you ha- you have to try to figure something out. Are, are those any sorts of clues to you or, or not really? Or You know, not really. Not when you put it to a magnifying test. And, and yeah. those little things, and they're not little. Obviously, yeah. those are things. But um, no, that would not yeah. lead to a parting of the ways. I did hear one comment from Mike, and it came a couple of weeks ago in regard to, I think it was during a media session, and the media was trying to, really box him in on because they've become so one-dimensional with the running game and and that's been the really the the crux of everything they do in the whole offense and I get it and one of the days that they did this his comment back to them was well who would we throw it to anyway kind of flippant kind of off the cuff but I did catch that when it happened and it told me a couple things one it was kind of disrespectful to the receivers that they have on their team. And two, it was a backhanded slap at John Robinson, I think, for the building of this roster without, in his mind, quality receivers. So I thought that maybe had something to do with it. And, you know, I'm not saying that there's a rift between John and Mike, but I just don't see one of them leaving the building if there wasn't something between them, because usually the strength is in numbers. The strength is in those two guys being on the same page and nothing really breaks them up, especially not this time of year. At the very least, in my opinion, um, unless there was some fireable for cause thing that happened that we don't know about, uh, Mike Vrabel has the juice to stop this from happening. Whether or not he made it happen. If Mike Vrabel said, look, if he's out of here, you're looking for a new coach. 
then that no. doesn't happen. So so we can't say that he tried to stop it, in my opinion. And um, vice versa. If, if it were the coach that was leaving, the GM in most cases, maybe not all the time, but has enough juice to get to stop that during the season as well. Especially when you're a winning operation. For yeah, the you've time. won the this division won two years in a row. And you're up by two or three games in your division. Now you've yeah. won 60%. So on the receiver thing, look, um, you could say... I, I looked this up. You know, the Titans leaders in receiving yardage since Vrabel got there are A.J. Brown traded, Corey Davis left in free agency, Johnny Smith left in free agency, Anthony right. Ferkser, I wouldn't even have guessed, was on that list, left in free agency, and the next guy is Derrick Henry, who's a running back. So right. maybe there's something there. Now, for Vrabel to say this, he says he's tight with John Robinson, great relationship. They spoke at length the night that this happened. I don't believe that it would be pretty brazen to lie about that to me, to publicly come out and say, hey, we talked last night and you didn't. And to say we're tight and you're not. Um, yeah. he, but for him to say, I was informed of the decision on John Robinson. This is a quote. It wasn't one that included me. It was a decision that was made and I was informed of the decision. Now, wait a minute here, because he's never been one to hold back on anything. When right. the competition committee stuff comes out with the rules, he hits reply all. And it goes to yeah. <laughs> every head coach and every general manager, and he puts the freaking league office on blast. That's Rabel, yeah. okay? Yeah. Rabel's the type of guy that if you're on the sideline and it's an emotional thing, he may grab the middle linebacker by the by by the by his chest and say, "Let's go and move him like he's yeah. a player." He's in the drills, slamming yeah. pads with guys when he's not even wearing pads. Do you are we really left to believe that you know he just doesn't really have a big opinion on this matter and really well, wasn't consulted? You know, I don't know. I think you're right. I mean, Mike Vrabel's a linebacker, right? That's his yeah. DNA. That's how he operates. And sometimes that is ready, fire, aim. Yes. But I don't know in this case, all of a sudden now we're going to be really tiptoeing and and I don't know. I just, there's a lot of things that I don't know the answer to. And I always revert to this. You're going to get sick of it. There's something I don't know, the knowing of which changes everything. Yes. And so I don't know what it, I don't know. I'm missing something here. I'm thinking through this thing. I've got a... I'm thinking through this. I may write about this soon. I, I want to think through some of this yeah. a little bit more. But there's some things here that are interesting to me. But when something like this happens, uh, you know, you always ask who benefits, <laughs> right? When, right? Whenever something happens. I mean, that's, right. you know, obviously this isn't a criminal investigation. There wasn't a murder or something. No, but I understand. When yeah. those things happen, when something happens and you're investigating something, you usually go, huh, I wonder who, who comes out ahead on this. And so um, in this one, it looks like a coach gaining power and, and we'll see what they do. Maybe they hold a legitimate process to find a general manager and they get somebody who uh, isn't going to be pushed around by the head coach and is actually going to make the decisions and lead the building and do all the things that, that the GMs do that sometimes the owners don't even know that they do the things that you're talking about. Right. So, right. Um, no doubt. Another interesting thing about Tennessee is, you know, this, they've had some success over the years, but through Bud Adams and in, in and beyond, this has been sometimes a shaky organization. And sometimes you get good people in and it masks that for a while. But I would concur with that. Not just there. It happens yeah, other places too. It happens no other places, but it's kind of like, you know, like we've talked about the Chargers a lot. You get Justin Herbert, you win some games, but you're still the Chargers. <laughs> you, you know, you, you for whatever you know whatever is part of that. And yep. and so with the Titans, it's a little bit harder because it's not Bud Adams anymore. If he was there, if Bud Adams was still there, I'd be saying, well, it's Bud Adams. What do you expect? We can tell you twenty stories about Bud Adams, but the the owner isn't quite uh, as established with the track record. But 
maybe we're figuring out or seeing things about that place. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's it, it has not, and it's been 24 hours for me now, and I'm still shaking my head. So I'm hoping there's, well, I don't know if I hope, but I'm hoping that we get some clarity yeah. at some point on why, when, and all that. But hey, I've yeah, been yep. a part of a firing like this, and 25 years later, I still don't have any clue. So well, there you go. Shoot, I've, you know what? I, that didn't even come to mind to me. That's right, because you were executive of the year <laughs> yeah. with the New Orleans Saints, and then and ha- and took them to, the, well, helped get them to the playoffs where you won a playoff game for the first time in the history of the franchise. Yep. And then how much longer after that? And you were not there. Well, we went six and ten the next year. Went through all the draft, and and I was part of one of those June firings, like you say, where I was offered a contract extension two weeks before that. And two weeks later, I had no idea you, I was being asked to resign. So it's the craziest thing. I, just because owners have a lot of money doesn't mean they're always sound in everything they do. So, and I'm, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm as humble and, and willing yeah. to take on errors and mistakes as anybody. But yeah. I just, you know, I don't know what makes people tick sometimes. It just and, makes me shake my head. And what's interesting, that one, you had and still have a great relationship, obviously, with your coach at that time, Jim Haslett. He's your coach now, right? <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't Jim yeah. uh, pulling no. the strings on that one. That was just a weird deal with the owner. And so, I guess. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, but it shows you we don't always, you can yeah. look at something from know. the outside, you don't really know. Um, and you sometimes you don't know even from the inside. That's the crazy part. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 20 years later, you don't know any that, more than you knew the day you walked out of the building. I guarantee you there's a lot of people who work for the Titans in Nashville who do not know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, amazing. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on to our next topic here. Another team in the AFC, a very good team in the AFC, the Buffalo Bills lose Von Miller. Randy, torn ACL out for the season. It's his second torn ACL in the last three years how worried are you if you're the gm of that team do you need to have a message here or is this business as usual what happens well you you never want to lose your best pass rusher that's for sure but i would have a message i would have a way to go about my business every day um and not to minimize the the player in this case von miller not to minimize his health or anything but von miller wasn't on this team last year and the bills were 13 seconds away from a trip to the super bowl so can they recover? Yes, they can. These teams are supposed to be built with depth. You're supposed to have thought this through. What if something happened to Von Miller? What can we do? So there's a, there's a plan. There's an idea. Now, it may not produce the, the kind of closure that Von Miller can make in a football game uh, by, by making a strip sack or something like that. But you're going to have to get a little more detailed on defense, in my opinion. You may have to come up with some pressure packages where a bunch of guys are involved and not just dependent on one guy turning the corner and blindsiding the quarterback. So it taxes everybody, but not only players, it taxes coaches and it taxes us all to try to come up with some different formula. I'll tell you one thing. If I was Brandon Bean, I would not be hanging my head. I wouldn't be woe is me. And I would be as positive now than I probably ever was in that the message to the locker room is, hey, we got to go, boys. Let's go. Don't tell me how rough the water is. Let's get in the boat. That's the kind of thinking you have to have and be every day. That's why I never was one of those guys that wanted to have. I was never really up or really down. I was the same really on a Monday that we got our asses kicked or one big. And that's really, I think, the mentality that Brandon Bean. and And I know him enough to know that's probably what he's doing is even keel. We're going to do this no matter what. It's not going to be the end of the world. And uh, we got to find a way to, everybody's got to pick up a little bit of the, of the uh, slack. 
Absolutely. They've had scares this year. You remember when Josh Allen hurt his elbow and, yeah. you know, now you got Von Miller and you're sort of reminded, even when you do everything kind of right, like I think they've done things pretty well there over the last few years, there's no guarantees. And yep. this is a hard thing. And that's why, you know, the, you mentioned those final 13 seconds. You got to, you can't have those things happen because you no. never know. We, we always think, well, shoot, Aaron Rodgers is going to play for 15 years. Well, guess what? Yep. It's real hard to win it. Uh, yeah. and so to me last year, when we had two, four seeds go to the Super Bowl, that they were the best team. They should have gone. That was their year yeah, to win it. You're and right. Now, they should have. Yeah. And now they may win it. Shoot, they may win it this year. They may win three more, but they may never get back. That's they the thing. may yeah. never get back. Yeah, that's and right. uh, that's why those opportunities are so precious. Josh Allen's going to play for a long time and he's going to be really good, but we don't know what's going to happen to, uh, the key players around him or other yep. teams in the AFC. And so that was a real tough one for them last season. Hopefully they, for them, they can overcome the Von Miller thing. They still have a lot of things going for them. And they just came through a really kind of an impressive gut check sort of time of their season where they were playing on Thursdays and they were relocating games and they found a way to kind of pull them out. So there's a lot of substance there with them to get them through. But certainly when you go as all in as they did on Von Miller, guaranteeing money into the third year, that was a major put our chips in the table move that you were hoping at least you didn't lose on, right? Even if you just yeah. broke even on that, you're, you're happy. But it's, it, those are now resources that are not helping the team this year. And who knows next year or the year after with a guy who's had two ACLs in three years, does, is he 100% when he comes back next year? Does he play a whole year? Um, all of that. That ends up being a, you know, a calculated gamble of a swing that becomes a miss. So. Yeah, there's no doubt. The good news for them is they have built up some chips. They do have a little bit of margin for error as far as yep. getting to the playoffs. Yep. I think they're going to get there no matter what. And uh, who knows what happens when they get in. Maybe they find a way to make those 13 seconds work in their favor this time yeah. around. So it, yep. it comes down to that kind of things. And, and there'll be a lot of talk about Von Miller and, and, and woe is me, but yeah. Gosh, it's it's really if you manage these teams, Mike, and you know you've been around it like I have my whole life. It's not if you're going to have injury; yeah. it's when. And so you have to be ready for this every day when you walk in the door. You got to have your ankles taped, ready to roll, because something's going to happen. You're going to think you have a plan, and you're going to think you have everything under control. And that used to make me scared more than anything was is I knew something was coming, and I just didn't know what. And this is one of those days for the Bills. Well, let's go right into our talk on the 49ers then that's a perfect example of another team that had uh, a terrible thing befall them here they are uh, surging and then they go uh, and lose Jimmy Garoppolo um, in the middle of the game I mean shoot the most important position all he's represented to that franchise this year the way he handled himself when he was kind of being dumped on practicing on a different field and now we're going with Brock Purdy um what did you see? I know you watched the film on Purdy. I think that's an interesting sort of companion follow-up to the Bills because you're guess what? The, the games go on. Yeah, <laughs> we we got to no play. <laughs> well, first off, I'll say this about Jimmy G. And I saw and heard a couple takes by people I have a lot of respect for that came out saying, see, I told you they shouldn't have kept Jimmy G. He's never healthy. He never <sighs> played. He's played 16 games one time. He's played 15 another one time. You got to be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Where yeah. would this team be without Jimmy G right now? You think they'd be in first place? No. No chance. And I know their defense is good, but they, there's no chance they would have done this without Jimmy G. So those takes to me fell on deaf ears. So I think the 49ers did right to this point. I think they're still doing right. And and 
to that end, I did get to watch the film. Um, the Brock Purdy stuff for me, I saw good, I saw bad, but the good really for me is reflective in that the moment was not too big for him. He didn't, he made a couple questionable decisions, but he didn't, um, pee down his leg. He didn't do every, you know, uh, yeah. He didn't make crucial mistakes that cost them game. And and I thought he looked comfortable in the moment. And even so, even even I'll talk a little bit about the things he didn't do, but afterwards I was I was really happy to hear, and this maybe was a concerted effort, but coaches, players, administrators, they're all confident in this kid. They all kind of believe in this kid. And for me, it's because of the intangibles. He has really good intangibles. He has leadership and he has some of that poise that we just talked about. He's a competitive guy. I think that the downside of it is there's a reason he was picked last in the in the entire draft. And it's really the physical skills part. I saw a quarterback that I think I counted seven missed receivers who were open where he did not get the ball to them. You're not going to have that every week and be able to recover from it. Now, their defense helps you do that because you have a little margin for error. But in most cases, the, there's a fine line. Uh, those are all throws that an average quarterback in the NFL would have made. And some of this uh, some of this was done now with no reps, no practice. He got thrown in there. So some of this will improve. He will get better at a lot of these things, which bodes well for the 49ers. I thought it was interesting that they felt good enough about him and about where they're at. And this will probably take us into another topic at some point, but they didn't put in a claim for Baker Mayfield because I thought there may have been a chance when uh, th- that they would have looked outside their own building to help the process. Now they signed Josh Johnson off the Broncos practice squad. And Josh, as we all know, well-traveled 14, 15 teams, 35 year old career backup, but another guy with Average physical skills, but really good intangibles, really good character, really good leadership. A lot of things that I think will help Purdy in the quarterback room. So just a little synopsis for me on what they had and what they saw. Some good, some bad. The physical skills, the, the accuracy, inconsistent. But I keep going back to the fact that he had no reps. That's going to get better if he can actually have practice and a little different a different way to prepare. I think he was always prepared and that showed because he administrated the offense really without any hiccups, Mike. You didn't see a bunch of delay games. You didn't see struggling in communicating. You didn't see struggling in making calls. He executed that stuff pretty good. Just some of the physical attributes that come with the throwing part are some inconsistencies there that hopefully will get better. You know, and we've seen times when Kyle Shanahan has really game planned the quarterback out of the game plan. Remember, in the, they played a playoff game. Didn't Jimmy have eight or ten passes? And everyone was like, well, he's not yeah. respecting Jimmy and all that. But it, yeah. the the broader point is there's a lot of different ways to win a game. And right. uh, I think this team's still going to win the division. Uh, they're going to play Tampa and Seattle the next two weeks. I mean, I think they probably win both. Yeah. You know, we'll talk about the, the Bucks game in our picks. But I, I don't think that Seattle beats them even with Purdy. Do you? No, I think you're right. I don't think this could have happened, and nobody wishes this happened, to a to a better coach that's equipped more to do this. He's managed game plans and called plays for a variety of quarterbacks based on their skill set really his whole career. There's not a lot of coaches that would change a bunch of things based on the quarterback. You know, they all want to run their system and just plug the guy in there, and sometimes that doesn't work. But I think Kyle does a better job really than anybody in the league at administering a game plan and calling plays. Shoot, he has to manage it with Jimmy G. 
He's been managing it with him for two years now, where he has to call a different style of game. That's probably why they ended up drafting Trey Lance yeah. to start with. Yeah. Because, because he didn't want to manage the game every day like he has to with Jimmy G. So he's he's adept at this. He needs used to it. Not that he's thrilled about it, but I do think the fact that he's the coach, the play caller, and can manage Brock Purdy going forward is a big thing. And I agree with you. I think this team still makes the playoffs. I don't know if they're a Super Bowl team yet or, or because of this, but I'll right. say this. That, to me, lies exactly in the in the eyes, uh, and we'll see it, of the week-to-week development of Brock Purdy. We're going to see this unfold. We're going to see if he gets better, if he takes a big step back, just how it unfolds, because he's got to be at a higher level for them to go win a Super Bowl. I think he can be average and they'll go to the playoffs. But to go to the Super Bowl and have a chance, which this team is talented enough too, he's going to have to improve week by week. And so we'll see. And we we are going to talk about the Rams uh, claiming Baker Mayfield uh, off of waivers next. But before we do that, I think, uh, and I, you know, I, I think that, the 49ers not claiming him is perfect for them. We can talk about why this yeah. is or ba- good or bad for uh, the Rams, but I think the situation that the 49ers are in at that position where, um, you know, that team has rallied around Jimmy and we saw around Purdy. I don't think mm-hmm. they're quite in the desperate mode where you bring in a little bit of a loose cannon, a little bit of a wild card that Baker is to me. Baker, when things go bad, he may Zach Wilson you a little bit. There may be a little bad body language. There may be – he just doesn't necessarily come right in and fit in and be one of the lunch pail guys on your team. So I think uh, for them, I'm totally good. I I would be a little bit concerned for them if they brought in Baker and tried to make it about Baker in in any way. Don't you feel better for them going with Purdy? 100%. I think it's – it's one of those things to where they have too much at stake to teach somebody else something new. And I think that's why they went with Josh Johnson as the backup. Yeah. I just think he makes more sense because of that. But yes, they have, they're way down the road with Brock Purdy on learning this system. It's different for the Rams to have yeah. um, a waiver claim on, on uh, Baker Mayfield and just have him come in and we'll call a few plays. They're not really asking him to learn a system. Now, whether he plays or not, I don't know, but I think he's the best quarterback for the Rams as soon as he gets off the plane. But they're in a total yeah. different boat, and and you mentioned it. They're they're really playing with house money. If being in last place is house money, yeah. So, let's talk about that though. You like you like the Mayfield addition to the Rams. Why? I'm just I'm almost surprised there wasn't a half a dozen teams putting in claims for him because I think it's a no brainer. He actually made sense for me in Houston, in Denver. Mm-hmm. In New Orleans, in Tampa, Baltimore, you can make a bunch of cases for Baker Mayfield right now to come in. The number is low. It's not really a cap issue. Um, I don't think he's, you, you said he's a little bit of a wild card, yes, but I don't think he's going to come in and tear up anything character-wise. I think he'll be fine in the locker room. Um, I think you kind of want a guy, if you're going to play him, to have a little no fear, a little yeah. cockiness to him. And I think in the Rams case, Sean McVay, there's a little bit of ego talking there that he'd love to get Baker Mayfield in 10 days from now or, or two days from now, have him play and be successful. So he can say, this has never been done ever before. Check. Box checked. <laughs> Don't you feel like that a little oh, bit? Oh, yeah. 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 Because yeah. they got the Thursday game. So we'll see. if. How about that? They claim him on, what was it, Tuesday? Yeah. What if he plays some snaps on Thursday night? 
if he doesn't, it's because someone talked him out of it, probably McVeigh out of doing it. Yeah. But uh, um, I feel like he wants it to happen. You're right. Yeah. 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 Now, longer term for Mayfield, you know, I've wondered if, you know, have you watched much Carolina? You probably have, right? Did you Mm -hmm. watch some Carolina? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you, where do you think he's at in his career? Because we we do see, shoot, we've seen it this year with Geno Smith. You do see some guys who've had some struggles occasionally um, come back. In my mind, I just don't know that there's been enough distance between those struggles for a maturing process or whatever it is with Baker Mayfield to happen. Is that totally overrated? Uh, or do you have concerns on that? Do you think he can have success in the short term? Where where do you think he's at in all this? Well, my answers are always a little bit of a and, – and, and a, it's a bore, I understand it, but the quarterback success failure is more than the quarterback. Yeah. And I think in Carolina, he was in a tough spot. You're talking about a coach that has to win. He knew he had to win. It's a new offensive coordinator. It's a new system. Baker got there late. When did that trade happen? Like July, you know, end of July, something like that. It was late late. in the summer. It was real late. Yeah. Yeah. So so it wasn't an ideal fit to start with. Um, They didn't have success. I thought when I watched some of their film, their offense was a mess. They had their their design and and their game planning was very – all over the place. And I don't think there was, Baker didn't play great. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't all him. So I'm, I think there's a chance that he can find a new home and can be successful. I wouldn't write him off. The the good thing about the Rams is who knows what's going to happen with Stafford. Yeah. He, he's already more talented than John Wolford and, and Perkins. So I think it, it could end up being one that, Hey, they might find a way to keep Baker at a reasonable number and at least gives them some insurance against Stafford and his injuries and everything else that's going on in his world. So I think it's a really good fit. Uh, I think you could have made, like I said, this case in several cities. I'm, I'm more of a Baker guy than I am, hey, the, the tank is empty and, and nobody's going to get anything but a career backup out of Baker. I, I think there's too much there still. Okay, so that's interesting to me too, because if somebody asked me, hey, what does Mueller like about quarterbacks? Well, I, I'm going to tell him he, he likes the guys who love, can stand in the pocket, who can see the field mm-hmm. and make the throws. Uh, where's he on that? I think I'm just kind of a smaller guy, you know, what, and you don't He's like the small guys. You don't like the small guys usually. No, I don't. And I'm not saying I want to make him a franchise quarterback. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> okay. saying I want to pay him yeah. $30 million. Yeah. I'm just saying, is he better than what we have? And oh, he yeah. is better than what the Rams have. Suffice to say, Stafford's not healthy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You could say that about New Orleans. He's, a, he's an Andy Dalton. I don't think he's no worse than Andy Dalton. And Jameis seems to be on the outs there. So where are they oh, going yeah. after this year? They have no future either. So that's a free look at somebody down the, you know, for the last three or four weeks as well. Make a case in, in some other areas too. Who's going to be Tampa's backup when Tom leaves next year? Or their starter? Who knows? That job's open. Denver, Baker Mayfield at minimum salary to go with Russell Wilson. Maybe that's too much of a can to open right now. It's not unheard of that that Denver at some point, if Russell doesn't get better, they're going to have to have another option. Trust yeah, me. Yeah. Now, it may be a second or third round pick that they draft, but you can't continue to roll Russell Wilson out there with no plan uh, or no option. And they're going to have to address that at some point. Yeah. So now the interesting thing about uh, Baker going to, I agree that he's better than what they've got and they should do it. Isn't it amazing though? The Rams are now another bad situation. Here he goes from Carolina. I don't know how much of a better situation it is with the Rams now. Good coach, but they don't have an offensive line. They don't have a run game unless they're playing Seattle. 
and get 170 yards. Um, well, <laughs> this just in, Mike, those teams at the top of the waiver wire yeah, are bad. They're bad. <laughs> they're so, not very good. So I don't know. You know. It's good for them to get him in the program. I wonder how much success he can have. Yeah. Uh, or if it's you. visible to us. So That's fair. Uh, we'll see. But I would love to – I mean, having him there for the offseason and yeah. uh, certainly if Stafford were around or not um, could be a good thing for him and them because uh, he probably is to the point – Baker's to a point right now where the best he could ever hope for is competing for a job somewhere, right? He's not going to be signed as somebody's starter. Uh, but if you could just ha- convince him, hey, spend the year in our program here, maybe you get to play. And if not, we'll rehabilitate you. That might not be bad for him. So, And what a good guy to back up in Stafford in every way, right? I mean, it's just a yeah. nice fit for him. Oh. He's not going to muddy the water. Stafford's top character guy. You can learn what you can from him. Be supportive. Gosh, they're worse jobs. Trust me. Hey, and, and, and if Matt Stafford says, look, Baker, you think you had it hard? Let me tell you about Detroit yeah. in 2008 <laughs> no kidding. or 9 or whatever, yeah. 2009 yeah. or whatever it was. So no Stafford's kidding. seen all sides of the coin <laughs> dur- yep. during his uh, career. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Let's touch on that one because he's visited now a few teams, gone to Dallas. We discussed that early in the season before we kind of knew anything about the medical. And you had thought, and I agreed, that might be uh, smart for someone to get him in the building. But it looks like maybe just not meant to be from a health standpoint. huh? Yeah, I think the, the, the take for me was that Buffalo brought him in, Giants brought him in, Dallas brought him in. 
The only time we heard the negatives about the medical stuff was from Dallas. And that I didn't like. I just don't like the way that Jerry made that public. I think he kind of sold OBJ out. If I was OBJ or the agent, I would have been pissed that that information is out there. There's no reason they had to react to that other than to try to cover your own butt because you had made this thing so public and that you were going to sign him. And now this is your out for not signing him. Did you hear one word out of the Giants when he went in there? Nope. One word out of Buffalo when he went there? Nope. Just a different way of doing business. And I don't know if this comes back to haunt Jerry sometimes, but he just... He, he, he didn't need to go public with all this information. That's just my opinion, Mike. But it was classic, though, because remember before the trade deadline, oh, yeah, we're in on this, we're in on that. And then when it comes time to actually do something, uh, yeah, no, we, we didn't do yeah. anything. But we were close. We were trying. We, we, were, we trying, were trying. We were close. Yeah. And now now to the point that it benefited him when the OBJ thing was kind of a hot thing on social media and reporters and everyone's yeah. talking about OBJ, he was all about, oh, yeah, yeah, we're sell, in for some sell. OBJ. Yeah. And then he, no, uh, yeah, and, and really he's just, it, it's so medical, so. <laughs> I just didn't, I don't like it. I, why did he have to make that public about the, the medical stuff? I just, I don't understand why you do that to the kid, to be honest with you. OBJ should say, you know, it just wasn't a good fit for me. Just all the stuff off the field with Jerry, the lawsuits <laughs> yeah. against some paternity suits and all that, you know, it's just not really, <laughs> yeah. it's just not really the fit that I'm looking yeah. for. You know, I would love to say that if I was OBJ. But <laughs> well, then, you know. <laughs> what's stopping him at this point? I don't think he, there's any way they mend it and go back after Jerry aired his laundry publicly. I think it's crazy. Ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Before we get to the GM notebook, which is always a big hit here on the football GM podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I usually it's so good. I usually steal from it. You accused me from stealing from the GM notebook last week, <laughs> which funny. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Randy puts the things in the GM notebook, then suddenly Sandoz claiming him his, his ideas. Hey, Randy, I got another <laughs> one here. What about? Um, okay, so uh, this could be the GM notebook. It's a prelude to the GM notebook. Can the Patriots afford to sit still and just expect to play harder and top Buffalo for the next five years? Randy, Buffalo. What about the other teams in the division? Yeah. I don't know if they can even do it with them. You said that's fighting tanks with a twenty-two rifle. These are little <laughs> notes here. So, what are you thinking? Well, I just was watching this game last week on Thursday night, and I'm thinking this is a no contest. I mean, this is yeah. this is Ferraris against uh, you know Volkswagen buses. I mean, I saw nobody running fast on one side. I saw a lot of fast guys on the other side. I saw the the only fast guy in the Patriots outfit was a defensive back that they threw a bubble screen to that ran for a 48-yard touchdown. So they just had really nothing going. And I'm thinking, well, afterwards, Bill's going to say, yeah, we got to play better. We got to execute better. We got to game plan better. I got news for you. And I think Bill's the greatest coach ever. I'm not sure it's going to get any better when they play the Bills. And you're right. I'm not sure it's going to get a lot better against Miami. Maybe they can get the Jets. They still seem to have a little you know, swag with them and they, and they got after them good, but this team might, might, you know, it, it's just, it was depressing for me to watch. And I'm sure Patriot fans concur. I just don't know where they go. I guess that's my point. Mac Jones is going to play against Josh Allen for the next 10 years twice. And we're going to win what? Maybe two, maybe three out of 10. I don't know. Yeah. You, you mentioned, you compared it to a Ferrari against a Volkswagen bus. That reminds me my, my neighbor, Growing up, his parents had a Volkswagen bus, and we used to take that thing from Sacramento down in the valley up to Tahoe. You know how fast you can go up the hill? 
It was so freaking scary. We're going like 40. People are going past us at like 80. There you go. So I was in the Patriot lane. Yeah. Uh, I was in the Patriot lane. And, and the bills like, are in the Autobahn lane. Okay? You see a semi was even going to pass you going up the hill. You're like, oh, geez, we're going to get run over. And the last second yeah. he swerves around you. So, um, you know, I was looking at the, at the playoff odds, the, the numbers cruncher that we've got at the athletic. Austin Mock does, has this model. So here it is. To make the playoffs, the bills 99%, just like you said. The Dolphins 93%. Jets 54, Patriots 31. And that just kind of feels like an accurate barometer right now of where these teams are, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, they're six and six. They're not out of it. I always say yeah. 500 at Thanksgiving. They're six yeah. and six. But I just don't know how how Bill can put his stamp on this group. It's kind of like Bill the GM is letting down Bill the coach a little bit just from a talent standpoint. That's all. Yeah. And at some point, the talent's going to be equal. Or, or the coaching isn't going to matter. So that's it. That was just a struggle. Hey. And maybe it was just me, but when I was watching that game, I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel like the Patriots ever were going to make a go of this, you know? Maybe Bill can fire the GM. You know, that seems to be the hot thing around <laughs> here uh, lately. Um, yeah. All right. What is in the GM notebook this week? Well, a couple of things for me. I thought this was, and I got to preference this by saying, I'm a San Francisco Giants fan, right? That's okay. the one. Yeah. The one pro sports team I kind of allow myself to be a fan of, them and the New York Rangers. So, uh, How did I'm, you get to be a Giants fan? I'm just curious. When well, I grew up in the Northwest, and when I was yeah. a kid, there's no Mariners. The closest team was San Francisco. Yeah. So believe it or not, and you probably know this, living in the Northwest as long as you have, a lot of Giants fans, a lot of 49er fans in the Northwest because those were the teams that were close. It was the Broncos. It was the 49ers. Yeah, Denver. Yeah. 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 And it was the San Francisco Giants and, and some – some guys that weren't thinking straight went with the Dodgers, but most yeah, of the time yeah. it was the 49ers and that was the local team. So that's how I always, I always yeah. rooted for the 40, uh, for the giants. And so anyway, today, uh, as we tape this, we all know Aaron judge resigned with the Yankees and the com- competitors in this month long parade have been the giants uh, as, as the opposition against the Yankees. So I, I just thought it was interesting that, and, and I don't know how closely you followed this. When when the Yankees stopped negotiating with Aaron Judge back, I don't know if it was before the season or it was early in the in the season. Something like April or something like yeah, that. Or, yeah, somewhere way back yeah. when. They they were at a certain number. Well, they signed him today. It was at a 70% increase over what their best offer wow. was before. Wow. And I got to thinking, that's crazy. No one in football ever does this. Who would do this? I thought, well, maybe this is what Lamar thinks. Lamar Jackson with, with, uh, with the Ravens. <laughs> yeah. You know, they stop negotiating before the season starts. Maybe he thought or thinks that if they win the Super Bowl, all of a sudden the Ravens are going to come to their senses and give him 70% more than he did before and fully guarantee the whole contract. I mean, do you think that's going to happen? This would uh, never happen in football, right? I, never. No, but, you know, football has all these, you know, the, the labor attorneys have done a much better job in baseball. And it's a different sport. The, the injuries yeah. aren't the same and all of that. And the rosters are smaller. And uh, But... You know, in in football, shoot, there's franchise tags. There's all these things. There's all these levers that you have as a team to have power over the individual. And then beyond that, most individuals can be replaced. You know, you have all the mechanisms for your quarterback. If you have to double franchise them or whatever, you can. But in football, there's just not one guy who's going to probably affect your team so much that you have to move up 70%. The closest thing I could think of that I don't think comes close, but the closest was you know, when Joe Flacco won the Super Bowl with the Ravens yeah. and then he signed a deal for six years, $120 million, so $20 million a, a year, which now would buy you a good backup. Um, but 
there's no way that was a 70 or even 50% increase. I don't think. Cause, cause if he was, if they were at 20 after the Super Bowl, what were they before 15, you know, a year yeah. or something like that, it wouldn't yeah. have been that huge uh, of a change. Yeah. So I can't think of it. Now you mentioned Lamar. Um, now he's injured. Their yeah. season isn't as good. We talked a little bit about this last week. I, I it just occurred to me as you made the parallel to Aaron judge, um, has anything really changed there or no? It's a, we'll just go in the off season and, and I don't think there has because of this. I think the Ravens did put their best offer out there. I think they know what they have with Lamar. They know what he comes with. And I don't think they're sliding him at all. I also think Lamar put his chips to the table that he wanted a fully guaranteed deal, uh, yeah. much like Deshaun Watson did. I don't think he'll ever get that. And to that end, if you remember when they stopped negotiating before the season started, the Ravens within minutes put out a release saying, we're done. We're happy that, you know, Lamar's <laughs> our quarterback. We're going to continue to, to try to make that happen. But it's like they couldn't end the negotiations fast enough. They yeah. were happy. It almost, yeah. in my opinion, that they didn't pay him $40 million a year and, and that they could run off from it. So I just don't feel, see a lot changing in this regard. They have kind of underachieved as a group. I don't think Lamar has had a great year, but I don't think they would devalue him. What I think is going to happen is they're going to use a tag, like you said, and maybe have a couple one-year deals. That's probably yeah. the smartest business move for them to make because it's probably more evident now, to me anyway, that this style and this system may not get them to the Super Bowl. It may not. It may win them a lot of games, but is it good enough to get them over the top? I don't know. And it seems like at some point, you got to do that if you're going to run this system for forever. And well, it's different than all these other offenses. It's a different way of life. And obviously the quarterback has a different skill set. So I just don't know. That's the only what if to me is, is, is you mentioned, I think we talked about Greg Roman last week being a candidate for the Stanford job. If he is able to get that, would the Ravens stick with this offense? Yeah. That's what I was asking. And yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. But, but I, just, I, I feel like, you know, you look at these teams that help their quarterbacks, whether it was Josh Allen, who was rough around the edges and, and runs a lot, or Jalen Hurts, who was a little rough around the edges yeah. and runs a lot. What'd they do? They got him Stephon Diggs and they got him A.J. Brown. Uh, you know, I know Mark Andrews is there and, and we can say that he has, that Lamar Jackson isn't a yeah. great consistent passer and all this, but I'm sorry, those <clears throat> guys weren't yeah. either. Let's let's get him one of those guys, right? right. I, I could make that case. Now, on the guaranteed contract, I think Lamar has a completely valid uh, position, but I don't think it's a winnable one, right? Yeah. I, the, I, Deshaun Watson getting it with all the crap he's done. Lamar, all Lamar's done is show up and be there for his teammates and 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 play pretty good. Yeah. So he has a totally valid point saying that's ridiculous that he gets fully guaranteed. I should get it. That's valid, but it doesn't mean he can get it. And, and I'm with you. I don't think he can. And I don't think not, he will. Not with the Ravens. Yeah. No. No. Uh, now in a different situation, if he were to hit the market, it just takes one team, one that's desperate right. team. Maybe they would, but. I don't think the Ravens are going to do it because they don't have to. Yep. And and if and if I'm the Ravens and go to year to year with Lamar a couple of years, I'm actually okay with that. Now he may not show up and you, it may turn into an ugly thing, but um, I'm not looking for a huge, an over. I'm not looking to overcommit because, uh, you know, I'm concerned no. about the playing style and and how long, how far we can go and how long he can hold up. Yeah. And I've been saying this for the last couple of years, ever even since the MVP years. If I'm them, I'm looking for options. I'm not looking to replace Lamar, but I've got to have an option down the road to where I can't have to make a bad deal just because yeah. we don't have another option. And I'm not sure it's Hunley. I don't know who it is, but 
I, I would be I would be searching for an option so we don't yeah. have to make a bad deal. That's for sure. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Number two item in the GM Notebook this week is... George Pickens, the receiver from the Steelers. We heard, we saw, we came out vocally uh, uh, voicing his displeasure with lack of targets. Uh, Would this bother me as a GM? I would say this would not bother me at all. I happen to think George Pickens is probably their most explosive player and maybe their best offensive player. Um, I would be ticked if I was him too. Okay. So I would, I would, if this happened for me, I would probably go down to talk to Mike Tomlin and take his temperature on it. And I heard Mike Tomlin's comments about it. I think he agrees with George Pickens. Tomlin was great. Yeah. I wrote it down. I I wrote it down. Here's what Tomlin said. I'd better say woe than sick him. He said it so fast, I <laughs> yeah. had to almost replay I'd rather say well than sick him. I want a guy that wants to be a significant part yep. of what it is we do. Now, the appropriate and professional, mature way to express that, we're growing and working on. We'll continue to do that. But that yeah. spirit, that competitive spirit, that guy wants the ball. I want that guy. Now, in the back of my mind, is that also a sign of where they're at with the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, too? I think it's probably all tied together without yeah. a doubt. I, I mean, who would go into this and have your best player have one target? You know, or whatever it was it, at that yeah, yeah. at some point in the in the proceedings, we all said you got to get this guy the ball somehow, some way. It's crazy not to have the most explosive player on the field not have the ball. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it was just good it, Tomlin. I, it was just good Tomlin. You know, yeah, it was good Tomlin, and I do think there's going to have to be some things changed there uh, to get oh, yeah. better and to better utilize some of their parts without a doubt. Because I think they found that the quarterback's pretty good, and I think he's going to be there and develop and that system that he, whatever works best for him is going to be what has to be used going forward, not necessarily the belief of the offensive coordinator and his special system. So while I 100% applaud Tomlin for what he said, and I I really am a fan of of him in general and just a lot of the things that he says and how he says them and his leadership, 
Um, the reason the guy Pickens doesn't have these targets, Tomlin's responsible for that too. And we've talked yes. about this before and the staff and having it squared away and being good on that side of the ball. Cause he's not a, Mike Tomlin's not the offensive scripter or play caller. He, you have to have great people in that spot and they have gone the opposite direction of pr- from proven to unproven. You look at the great coordinators in Pittsburgh over the years from, you know, that were Bruce Arians or Ken Wisenhunts. These were guys mm-hmm. who became head coaches or they, they have play calling success. They've been to Super Bowls and things. Yep. Um, and that's the, not the direction they've been in. And they need to get that to, to help this quarterback next year. So totally agree. That rounds that. Let's get to our picks here, Randy, this week. We're a couple of, we're a couple 500 pickers last week. Um, you know, is that bad though? I, I no. beat myself up over it. Is 500 bad when you're picking NFL games against the spread? No, I don't it's know not. enough it's about not. it. But yeah, yeah. Well, we would know a lot more about it if we actually were wagering. Then I would know <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd probably know if I was. I Some of the listeners mind. probably know that it's yeah, not yeah. worth a shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went one and one. I won with Cleveland giving seven, although that went different from how I expected. I mean, shoot, they they suddenly are now there's winning on defense and special teams. Yeah. And then I lost uh, with Tennessee and taken four points by a lot. It wasn't even close. It was so bad they fired the GM. Yeah. <laughs> now, I tiptoed up to the line trying to take the Raiders with with a point and a half in the Chargers, but I backed off. I checked out. I should have taken that one because yeah. the Raiders did win. Randy, you won with the Giants uh, taking a point and a half, right? That was a tie. Yep. Lost for Seattle minus four and a half. That was before we get into the picks. All yeah. the wins are good. I came away feeling like, I don't know, Seattle. That was kind of, you barely beat that Ram team. I mean, yep. Yeah, I don't know. So well, I need him to beat him by another point and a half. That's what I needed to be them to win by. They so. were dang near losing the game. Later. They I couldn't know. stop him. Oh, I know for, it was crazy. So, what do you got for your picks this week? Well, I have been hovering like we talked about around the five hundred, and I usually pick two games. I'm going all in this week, Mike. Ooh. I'm going to pick four games, which never happens for me. But actually, these four? games kind of they jumped out at me. I know that's like having two ice cream cones. <laughs> I'm I got one in each hand, baby. We're gonna roll. Um, Miami, minus three over the Chargers. I'm giving the points. I think Miami's going to bounce back. I don't think two is going to play like he did last week. And let's face it, the Chargers' defense is not the 49ers' defense. I think they're the better team here. Um, I don't like where the Chargers are right now as a group. So I'm taking Miami, hey, uh, giving hey, the three points. Are you worried about Tua physically holding up and starting to affect his accuracy? And I'm, I didn't watch him fully all the way through. I just know he got smashed a couple times. Uh, are you? I am always worried? worried about Tua holding up. I can okay. tell you that right now. Yeah. I'm always worried about that. That was the biggest detriment I had with his skill set coming out was the injuries. He had had yeah. several before he got to the pros, and he's a small guy. Yeah. So it's it's a long grind. These NFL games are made for big people who run and hit hard, and it's not yeah. for everybody. And they're going to have late-season games at Buffalo and New England. But you got them over the Chargers who are I not I got them over the Chargers, yep. No doubt. What's your next one? I also like the 49ers, and I'm giving three and a half to put Tampa out of their misery. I just feel like Tampa was more lucky than good last week. I know oh, yeah. it was a great comeback. I didn't really drink the Kool-Aid of, hey, Tampa's you know trending in the right direction now. I just don't think it's going to happen. So I like the 49ers in this case. I think the 49ers are just too physical on defense. I think they'll rough up the receivers, and I think they'll get after Brady pretty good. So that's the difference for me. I also like Seattle this week, and they're given three and a half. They play Carolina. I think for Carolina to come cross-country to Seattle – I don't like the matchup. I do think Seattle's a little desperate. They have to play good. Um, I think Geno is, is 
is really better at home. Um, I just think that that's that's a game that I don't have a lot of faith in where Carolina is right now to make this long trip and beat a, a playoff team in Seattle. So I like Seattle. And then I like Minnesota. And how about this? Minnesota's a one-point underdog. I thought to it was a Lions. misprint. I thought it was yeah. a misprint. I'm all over that. I'm taking Minnesota. I'm getting a point against the Lions. I can't believe I'm saying that, and you're not calling me a liar. Well, I'm just uh, I, I don't I don't get. But it. but so here's where it comes down to. I think these the odds makers and all these betting models and all that. So they're nine and zero in uh, in the one score games. There's a really cool thing. Um, let me. See. I know I texted it to somebody. I'm going to call it up here. There's a really cool thing. Um, it's called the "What If NFL Standings." Randy, you may roll your eyes at this, but I love it. So the <laughs> pretty idea, good, pretty good chance, I will. The, the idea. Is, <laughs> I'm really selling this up. Sorry. I'm really selling this. I like this. So I may already of, be rolling my. But there's a lot of people kind of around the statistical side of football who are like, "Hey, these one-score games could go either way, and you take credit for them at your own peril because you're going to lose some of them too. And sometimes in a year you win all of them. Some years, some years you lose all of them. But they're really." They're really kind of a 50-50 thing and mm-hmm. when they're the real, real close games. So it, what what would happen if you if every one score game the the result was the opposite? Meaning these sort of 50-50 games that are close. Right. Uh, what if you flipped them around? And it was very interesting because the Vikings would be one and eleven. Is that, <laughs> Is that right? That's crazy. Because the Vikings are ten and two, but if they, if you yeah. just to, to to go nine and zero oh in every one score game is really mm-hmm. rolling the dice. And hey, it's like at the blackjack table, you know, you wished you would have bet it all every time after yeah. you, you know, suddenly won five in a row. So I don't know if that's, you know, fair to them, but there's some of these teams like the Giants would be two, nine and one. Well, the truth on these teams is probably somewhere in between. I mean, they're, they're yeah. good teams. Those are teams that may not be quite as good as their record, you know? Yeah. Um, and so maybe that's where that comes through. And the other thing is Detroit, since they're by... Yep. Has looked pretty good. You know, they looked better defensively. So yep. um I get it. You know, I think I think this is a real th- this is a corner turner type game for Detroit if they get it, maybe a little bit, right? Because they've really been in a low spot, but it feels like hey, they, they took Jacksonville to the woodshed, forty to forty. They have Jackson- yeah, they have momentum, no doubt. Yeah. And yeah. you're right, they've played pretty good on defense considering that they were considering changes uh, halfway through the year or, or less, a third of the way through yeah. the year. So we'll see. I just think it's an interesting game. That's interesting that the odds makers, because the odds makers have to put their money where their mouth is. So they're they're saying it's only it's one point towards Detroit. That's eye opening to yep. to me. Right. Maybe um, that's why I just I was shocked. So I yeah took it. yeah. So yeah, those no are doubt. my four games. I don't. Know. I love it. I think you should be required to pick a fifth game just so you can't be two and two. But <laughs> well, I'm going to wait to see what you pick and maybe okay. I'll jump on your <laughs> oh, bandwagon. Yeah. I'm surprised. Tell us you where you're at. I'm surprised. I'll tell you the one. I'm surprised you weren't on first. I'll take the Jets in nine and a half against Buffalo. I think a division game. I don't think there's any, they're going in there with saucers for eyes going, oh my gosh, it's the Bills. No. They haven't lost by more than seven points in their last eight games. They lost a couple big games early in the year by a lot. But I think they've regulated a little bit out of there with the, with a little bit more mature quarterback probably and Mike White in the game. I think the team's rallied around him a little bit. Uh, they had a lot of problems in the red zone last week. But shoot, end of the game, they're right there. They got a pass in the end zone with a chance to – to even take the lead in the game. So I'm not saying they're going to beat Buffalo, but I would much rather have the Jets and nine and a half than Buffalo and giving nine and a half, wouldn't you? Yeah, I guess so. Oh, I mean, I... I tell you, that wasn't a real yeah, convincing sell know. there. I'm a, I'm a reluctant Jet Kool-Aid drinker. 
I am too. Yeah, I'm just a little reluctant. But I hear what you're saying. They they have been better. They've been respectable. I can't put my finger on why I'm not jumping on board. You may just kick me to the curb, but I'm just not. I'm not. I've been that way the whole year, and I and I felt like I hung on to it too long, so that I picked whatever I picked. I picked against them one week too long because I've been skeptical too. The offensive yeah. side of the ball in particular, but I think, I don't know. Uh, I just think they're going to, I think I expect kind of a competent game and they hang around. Shoot, they beat Buffalo once already, 20 to 17, you know. I so, got you. And the familiarity in the division and all that, I, I just think I'll take the nine and a half. Um, I'm going to take Kansas City and give eight points at Denver. I'm just sorry. Denver, yeah. true story last week's games. So, um, Denver led for 98% of the offensive and defensive plays in the game against Baltimore. <laughs> and Baltimore couldn't do crap on offense. I mean, their offense looked terrible. They lose Lamar Jackson. I mean, it was just a slog. And I don't know, there's a minute or less than a minute left. I just went upstairs to grab myself something to eat. <laughs> I come back downstairs and they're showing Huntley, the quarterback of, of uh, Buff- Baltimore, and it says eight for eight, 50 yards t- with touchdown run on the last drive. I, and they won the game. <laughs> yeah. And Denver had nine points. Yeah. And I so I did this research after the game. Uh, so Baltimore turned it over twice, forced no turnovers, and failed to exceed 10 points. And I put that all into the little computer mm. at, at Pro Football Reference. For the last 25 years, a team had done that 206 times, and they were 0-206. Really? And it's now 1-206 because Baltimore did wow. it against Denver. Denver doesn't score 15 points a game. They don't. They're, they're averaging, I believe, 13.8. And, you know, shoot, we Seattle, we, we remember the 91 team that was bad on offense in Seattle. This yeah. is like what Denver is. And so yeah. I'm putting Kansas City down for 20 to 24 points at least. And Maybe this no, no way Denver. Well, if you're given eight, so Denver's got to score okay. what? 12? If Denver really breaks out and goes for 13 to 16 points, <laughs> if they really get hot, I feel you're like trouble. I'm okay. <laughs> and I'm wondering if this is the week that the Denver defense breaks its back breaks that yeah that you know we talk about these teams it's almost a credit to them that they've played the way they have because we've talked about other teams with business decisions you know and, and seeing um yeah. seeing yeah they're know, still playing they're still, they're playing. still playing but yep. is there a point here where enough is enough and you're playing kansas city you just can't keep giving the ball back to them and is this is this the first denver kansas city game of the year i think it is that i don't know Denver, Kansas City. They got, yes. <laughs> I'm still laughing got, at you. If they Denver got, cuts loose and gets 13, 13 to 16, 16 points. So, yes. Oh, so, so Denver <laughs> has, Denver for all of its misery, has not played. They play Kansas City two more times. Oh, my gosh. So, I'm looking at the teams that they have played. And there's no. Well, here's one. The Raiders have a pretty good offense. The Raiders won 32 to 23. <laughs> okay, so the Raiders won, and then they the Raiders won 22 to 16. So the Raiders are beating them by 7 to 12. I, I just feel like this may be the week that it really gets out of hand sideways for them. And I'm It's one I could probably get on board with. If you were going to make me have a fifth game, I could 
Yeah. I, I would back you with this. Are one you for in? Sure. You take yeah. it. Take a, take I'm, this as your fifth game. I finally I'm sold in. you on something. I'm in. I'm good. I've been stealing GM notes all, all year, <laughs> and you finally take one of my things. It's I'm you'll never do it, it again because this is going to Denver's going to win now, and you'll never trust me again. Mark it down. It's a tandem bet. That's all right. Five. My last third. My last game is the one you took. I'm taking San Francisco too. Yeah. Tampa Bay short week. They played Monday night, going across the country to place to face a pretty good 49ers team that I think. We'll rally around Brock Purdy for a week. And tell me what you think about this, Randy. I don't know if Jimmy G's really going to play again or not, but when it came out that he, you know, Schefter tweeted, hey, he could be back in seven to eight weeks, no, you know, no surgery or whatever. Or he's, I don't know if there is, but he's back in seven to eight weeks and you do the math and you're like, shoot, that's in the middle of the playoffs. I think that's a real good thing for that locker room to know oh, 100%. that they've got this guy out there. Let's do it for Jimmy. Yep, let's 100%. stay. Let's keep this thing going. Not that they were going to quit, but you can't fake. No, we got our quarterback coming back. They needed a shot in the arm, and I think you're right. This this should help along that along those lines. I agree with you 100. percent You, so. as a GM or as a head coach, you look for messages like this. Not that you're trying to con anybody. It's just this. Yeah. This is factual. He may come back, and I want people to know it. So I agree with you 100. percent I yep. think it's great for their. Just for their vibe and their, and where they're at, right? Their spirit. Because that was crushing, you know? And then you start to feel like, what can we do? You know, well, yeah. <laughs> the woe is us thing will happen eventually. Because who knows? It could be rough up and down a little bit with Purdy. We'll see. Uh, what else we got? Is that it? Is that the that football is it, podcast? We'll right. it down. We are winding down, everybody. You can find Randy Mueller on Twitter at Randy Mueller underscore. You can find his work at MuellerFootball.com. I'm Mike Sando for the Football GM. We'll talk to you next time. This was The Athletic Football Show.